Hey, film fans, I'm Jackie Lynn here with Dave Demarest for our latest episode of Was It That Bad? The show where we watch films that have a bad rap, but actually might be worth a watch. This week, we've watched Very Bad Things, released in 1998, starring Jon Favreau, Cameron Diaz, Christian Slater, Jeremy Piven, Daniel Stern, a lot of familiar faces, but it scored a 6.3 on IMDb and a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. It didn't make its budget back at the box office. So we're going to find out, was it really that bad? Brandon Lipke is our returning guest tonight. You may remember him from our episode covering fear. And if you recall, Brandon is no stranger to the many aspects of film production. He went to film school for video production, editing, and effects, and is a self-described cinephile. Brandon, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. Uh, this is, this is going to be a fun one. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Okay, Dave. Where did you land with Very Bad Things? Was so, it that bad? So this this came out in 98. I was a senior in high school. I remember vividly seeing the trailer for this. And for whatever reason, I just was was like, no, thanks. I, I saw, you know, I, I didn't say this look, this sucks or anything. I just, just the stars didn't align at that point. I wound up not seeing this movie till 2013. And... I was just like, what the fuck is this? This is kind of like the hangover on meth. <laughs> it, I'm not with the 44 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm closer to the 6.3 on IMDb. Uh, I gave this a 7 out of 10 when it was all, all said and done. This is listed as a comedy, but I don't think I laughed once in this movie when I was watching it. I, this is more like a horror movie. You could, you could make the case that this is a horror movie more than a comedy. Um, just one thing this movie is, is it's not boring. So I remember when I saw it in 2013, I wanted to talk about it. I, I was like, I need somebody to talk about this. I, I do know a couple of people who have seen it and there are a, a lot of opinions about it. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. But yeah, this is just a, a kind of a batshit movie. You, Jackie, you mentioned the cast, just a lot of different people at different points in their careers. Some are fading away. Some are on the rise. But yeah, this this is definitely like a f I, I I stop myself from saying a fun movie because it's it's a very bleak movie that leaves you feeling a certain way afterwards. And I'm glad to be talking about it with both of you, Brandon. Where'd you land with this one? I actually rank it a little higher than everyone. Um, I did see it when I was when I was in high school. I was gosh a junior, sophomore, junior year, and um, I, I must have a thing for uh, what they consider to be dark comedies because uh, I did laugh. Um, uh, but I also saw the horror in it and maybe it's just a whole masculine thing, but the whole bridezilla uh, effect <laughs> of Laura really does frighten me. Um, I mean, she's 27 years old. She said she's been practicing and rehearsing, walking down the aisle for all 27 years. That is a terrifying level of commitment well beyond the I do. <laughs> and, um, no, um, but I, I mean, I did laugh and, um, you know, I'll mention later, some of my favorite scenes are actually um, the closest thing uh, that I can relate to for reality based. And that's everyone freaking out at their own certain time, because I know if somehow in any instance I would be uh, caught in this circumstance, I would be freaking out. Uh, either like Michael or Adam. Um, and I, I mean, I'm no stranger to bachelor parties. Uh, I, I never have gone anywhere to that level. Um, I think the most I've done was a few substances, uh, a marathon, and then in uh, Michigan, staying at a uh, Greek town casino, spending about $150 in hotel comps, just buying chicken shawarma for like the 10 of us. As one does. I yeah. hope that was good shawarma. It was darn good shawarma. I wish okay, they'd bring good. it back. Um, but yeah, this, I, I, I would personally consider it a, uh, a comedy. Very, very mixed reviews on this one. I was reading a lot of them. They're, some of them are scathing. Uh, yes. Roger Ebert, he said, I left the theater feeling sad and angry. You know, that's, 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 <laughs> I wasn't sad after seeing this, but I, I was, I was definitely, taken aback this was not you know you see the trailer and you see you know friends kill a stripper 
and things things go wrong. That's killing the stripper was probably like the lightest thing that happened. In this movie. It, <laughs> it kind of just spirals out of control after that. And, you know, it's it's made fun for me by the performances. We talked about Christian Slater a lot, Jackie, in our last yes. episode. We, we covered Chiroa Mats and just a lot of like fun performances in this one that make the, a pretty bleak movie enjoyable. Jackie, where'd you land with this one? You know, I'm I'm right there with both of you guys. So I'm really glad you brought up those points. I think I'm landing kind of about a non-committal five or six for this one. So right in between IMDb and um, Rotten Tomatoes there. And this was the first time I had seen this movie, briefly heard about it. So and I I'm glad that you guys expressed your reactions because after I watched it, I messaged both of you guys and I'm like, what did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad I'm not completely alone here. Uh, but, you know, it was it was entertaining. Yes, it's a dark comedy. Definitely see the horror in it. Um, kind of revolves around that typical trope that murder is the only solution. And then it has a, a domino effect after that, ultimately. Um, and like you're saying, I'd also tie this into a horror movie and throw in that horror cliche that sins frequently don't go unpunished in horror films. So those two things there um, lend themselves to a relatively interesting scenario, but also kind of a predictable film at the same time. So uh, wouldn't be the same without those aspects. And you know, it's like the opening song in the film. I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was a piano piece where they're playing Here Comes the Bride. Okay. And I think it's an analogy for the film where it starts off like really pretty. We're having a wedding. The song is rolling smoothly. Then the song trips up a little bit and then a little bit more. And oh my gosh, the song is going to hell. And they just end up smashing the piano. And I think that that's an analogy for the path of the film. So <laughs> little interesting observation on it there. I won't rag on it too much. Um, dare I say this laid some groundwork for the hangover in yeah. the future, which I really enjoy that film. So if that's how we had to get from A to B here, <laughs> then, you know, that's okay. The It's the directorial debut of P Peter Berg, who the first time I saw him, I don't know if either of you saw this movie, The Great White Hype. He, oh, yes. He yeah, he, he was in that movie and with Samuel L. Jackson and Jeff Goldblum, amongst others, just really funny movie that is kind of low key. And he actually wrote and directed this script. He wrote it while he was co-starring in Copland. And this is kind of like the only movie like this he's made. Um, he, he's uh, said in interviews that he was in a dark place when he wrote the script for this because he was going through a divorce, which it kind of <laughs> kind of makes sense. And nothing, I I love his filmography. Nothing he made after this was anything like this again. The next movie he made was The Rundown with The Rock and Sean William Scott, uh, Friday Night Lights. He also did Hancock. And then he went to that kind of that Mark Wahlberg zone where he made a lot of, he made some good movies with Mark Wahlberg, like Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, I really liked. And then he made some shitty movies with Mark Wahlberg, Mile 22, and uh, was Spencer Confidential, the, the Netflix movie. Those were really bad. So there, it's not a cold streak now, but I really like him as a director. Um, Brandon, any Peter Berg thoughts? Do you like him, um, any of his movies? Oh, this one especially. Um, I, d I did enjoy the, the few that he did with Wahlberg. They were the consecutive true life uh, event movies. Yep. Um, I really did like that era of him, um, whether he had a hand in um, doing something other than directing, if, you know, if it was cinematography or writing. Um, you know, he, he definitely has his niche with um, directing, though. Uh, it's it's one of those useless facts that no one should know, but <laughs> me. Um, actually, he is um, a very, very distant relative of Albert Einstein. I, well, I'm learning things. Really? Yeah, Very he's cool. like uh, fifth cousin, thrice removed. But yeah. Huh. Very cool. I, that's, you know, good good uh, that we're learning yeah. things in real time on the podcast. Yeah, pub <laughs> trivia. Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Jackie, do you have any Peter Berg thoughts? Do you like like him as a director or an actor or any of those movies we mentioned stand out for you? You know, I'm afraid I don't have a lot of exposure to his works. Um, the one that's jumping out at me. Oh, shit. What was it? Did you see Hancock or? Hancock, yeah. It was Hancock. Okay. Which I don't really feel is a lot to write home about. So. No, it was fine. I remember seeing in the theater. It was fine. Yeah. I Deepwater Horizon and Patriots Day. I, I really enjoy both those. Brandon, you just mentioned the the true stories, and Lone Survivor was a true story as well. Okay. And those those were all good. The the Wahlberg. He did. I think he did five movies with Mark Wahlberg, and three of them were huh. really great, and then two of them were awful. Mile Twenty Two was maybe the closest I've come to walking out on movie in the theater. I I was like, <laughs> oh man. I was like, let's, let's just get through this. It was, it was that's really, rough. It was really bad. Um, but this was his debut, and I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the cast in this, we, we already mentioned Christian Slater. Um, he, he was a lot of fun in this movie. He was just kind of batshit. Everybody, everybody has the volume turned way up, except for yes. Fabro. He's kind of like the, the, the balance of the movie, maybe until the end. And we have Daniel Stern. We talked about everybody on kind of like rise and fall. Daniel Stern was someone who I hadn't seen maybe since Rookie of the Year in 93 and he showed up in this movie um christian slater was in, i i think the last time i heard of him was uh, broken arrow so he was kind of like his star had faded a little bit um but cameron diaz at this point was one of the biggest stars in the world she was about to be this is right after there's something about mary and mm -hmm. right after this movie she's gonna rip off this run where she does being john malkovich any given sunday charlie's angels shrek just banger after banger he was and then, on fire yeah, good supporting character is Jeremy Piven, who was kind of cast in this movie late. We'll we'll talk about who was almost cast as him uh, in the uh, in the internet stuff, but I, I thought he was really good as as Michael. And there's really not like a supporting cast. We kind of like we have around the five the five guys: Leland Orser, another that guy we talked about him this afternoon, and Cameron Diaz. And then there's a couple on the side, but this is mainly focused around the main five guys, Brandon, did anybody from the, the cast stand out for you? Actually, my favorite, um, I would have to go with Christian Slater as uh, Robert Boyd. Uh, it's just the way that he played him. Um, it, it's not uh, factualized in the story why he was taking all these self-help classes and self-actualization <laughs> courses, uh, but it maybe it had something to do with his failing real estate business. But um, yeah, I mean, he has that air of confidence and not only does he find that in his professional life, he brings that into the best man role uh, for uh, Kyle. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he has he's the man with the plan. Um, you know, everyone wants to call the cops when the prostitute dies. He's like, well, that's not the only option. I mean, <laughs> hear me out. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was yeah. a good impression. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean he has obviously some of the better monologues in the movie and yeah. it's mostly just trying to calm people down and get them back on his side uh which uh, is an inevitable failure <laughs> for pretty much every character in the movie. Sure. Up to a point. Yeah. Uh Jackie same question. Anybody stand out for you? You know, I was having fun observing John Favreau in this. Um, wow, he just has such a rap sheet for a career. Yeah. So it was fun to see him on screen again in some of his earlier work here. And to be honest, I don't really thought like he brought much to this role. I feel like anybody could have played that role and filled those shoes. Um, but I really liked seeing a familiar face, like I said. And uh, pedaling back to um, Christian Slater, uh, I thought he was a great shady, sh swarmy real estate agent. <laughs> and he knew what to do all too well here. And he definitely dialed up that creep factor. It was really funny kind of comparing him to um, True Romance, where he was just such a sweetheart that I was adoring watching on screen and watching him on in this film i was absolutely cringing yeah yeah he gives it he brings it in this one so to piggyback off that a little bit 
want to ask both of you a question because we have like a, a, a spectrum of reactions to what happens when they, they kill the prostitute and then the security guard. We get a, a, a variety of reactions from people. Uh, Favreau is Kyle is kind of like cool. He is. Let's get through this. He, he's even headed, even killed. And then we get Christian Slater as Boyd, who's maybe too cool. He's like maybe a little too eager to tackle this problem on. And you got um, Moore played by Leland Orser, the, that guy we talked about. He's just kind of like looking for leadership, but he's not panicking. He, he's not going to quarterback anything, but he'll he'll follow. And he's he's a guy you want to be in the foxhole with. And then you have the two brothers, Adam played by Daniel Stern and Michael played by Jeremy Piven, who are quite clearly the two weak links with Adam as the weakest link. He's the one who loses his shit pretty quickly. Brandon, if this situation happened to you, which character do you think you would be? I would, I would hope to be more. Um, I would probably most likely be Michael. Um, I've never had a brother. I've had two older sisters and, you know, in that moment of unease in my life, if they were to hit the trigger, I'd probably hit one of them with a car. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I would hope more. <laughs> okay, Jackie, who do you think you'd be in the in the situation? Oh man, um, I'm looking at my list here. <laughs> uh. I don't see you as the weak link. I think you'd have like any, in, <laughs> I think you'd be steady. I don't think you'd be Adam. I don't think you'd be I'd the like one to who think I'd be down. like the calm one. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like Kyle, but I don't think I would make bad choices like this. No, she's fooling us both. She's, she's definitely a Boyd. She's just, <laughs> she's just waiting for the right incident for her to reveal it. Jackie, how do you know how to cover up a murder so, so well? <laughs> I can't share my secrets with you, but I, probably could pull pull off a bridezilla role really well <laughs> so you got shivers yeah she was really <laughs> funny from the she she was like you can't mess with the 10 people in the beginning and she keeps calling about the the padded chairs and you see like she's got the the, the seating arrangements like yes. she's got this little like real life like action figure set with the, the chairs so yeah she was she was definitely a bridezilla i, I liked cameron diaz in this movie um, just a lot of fun performances and just kind of a complete batshit movie. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll start talking about our favorite scenes. All right. So we're back. Favorite scenes. I, I don't know if favorite scenes is, is the right way to categorize this, but, but scenes that have scenes that are important in the movie. So the first one I have here, I just have written down as stripper slash security guard. And this is, this is the rising action in the movie. This is where everything goes to hell. Um, it starts off. They're in Vegas. They're having fun. They're enjoying themselves. We see them. They're, they're smoking weed. They're doing coke. Um, more jumps through a table at some point. They're, they're just, it's basically just guys being dudes. And they, they just had one too many. It's Vegas. They're, they're going nuts. And then the stripper shows up. And uh, one thing leads to another. Michael takes her in the room. I thought it was really funny when the, the stripper tells him it's $500 and, and he's and he's like, well, well, Boyd paid, right? And she's like, no, Boyd di- didn't pay. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, 500 of my own money. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, you know, he's, he's having sex with her, just throwing her around the room. I got to wonder why there was like a, like a pointed shelf just on the, on the wall. It was a but, towel hook. Okay. All right. Yeah, but that went right through her head. The the hooker got hooked. Oh, okay. Very, very nice. <laughs> you had that lined up, didn't you? Maybe. Uh, Boyd's coming out. <laughs> so that that's that's bad. And we see that we talked about Christian Slater, how like, you know, he's he's going over options. Do we call the police? Then the security guard comes in and he's about to leave. He sees the the stripper in the the dead stripper in the mirror. And that's when Christian Slater stabs him multiple times. And now they have, they have two bodies to, to get rid of. And you just, see just really great visuals. You see, I like the overhead shots of the bathroom. You just see all the blood everywhere. You see the, the gravity of the situation. Brandon, what'd you think of the scene? I actually liked it. And it, it 
especially with that overhead shot, perfect uh, for the montage, the cleaning montage, when they all yeah. uh, finally decided to go with Boyd's plan and, and not call the police, clean it up and bury the bodies. Um, that montage, I, I just love it um, stylistically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but everything leading up to that, um, the conversations, I mean, nothing gets you out of a, out of a high or a rush of drug use than like pure shock and forcing yourself to actually be in the situation and keep calm and contained. Um, I'm surprised even character wise that they, that uh, Adam didn't break then and there that they actually got him to comply with the whole cleaning and getting the car. Um, I'm surprised he didn't break sooner. Yeah. It wasn't until later on in the movie where he like, he slowly, you see, um, when I have this as another scene, but you see in the burial scene where he's insistent that their body parts go together when they bury them, you see like kind of the cracks there. This is, this is, this is a guy who's going to be a problem with this because everybody else is kind of going with the flow and he's, he's kind of, uh, you know, bringing problems for people. Was he really coked up? Oh, sorry. I think they all were. Yeah. Okay. I thought, yeah, they all were. Yeah. So maybe that was helping him be a little calmer. <laughs> <laughs> that could definitely Initially, factor in. With that. Um, what do you think of the scene, Jackie, as a first time viewer? Like what is what is happening right now? First scene on my list as well, Dave. And I called it the Bender Party Montage. <laughs> and honestly, there were a few points that were a little blinding to watch. Um, they had a lot of quick cuts. And they have this UFC fight going on in the background and a lot of partying, drinking and drugs. And whoa, that is one heck of a bachelor party. (laughs) That's uh, that was pretty wild. Um, But I I'm always interested in the the logistics of this. Um, Like, how did they sober up so quick? And I know, Brandon, you were saying that it was kind of an element of shock that kind of drew them out of that. But I. I'm like, wow, that is a lot of hard drugs <laughs> to pull themselves out of. Um, and it's it's really funny that they almost got away with it. And you kind of wanted them to get away with it, maybe for the sake of the security card. Um, <laughs> but that one shot in the mirror, you're like, oh, oh no, he's going to catch him. And, and then he does. And then it's just so unfortunate watching that poor man get stabbed by the entire party and um then he's they lock him in the bathroom to bleed to death yeah and he's screaming and that that was that was a little hard to watch it's very it's very horrible but it's a good shot of them all at the door yes they're all waiting at the door and waiting and waiting i'm like oh my god how long are we gonna wait here just die already come on (laughs) oh jeez i mean yikes and then uh, you guys were mentioning the overhead shots of them cleaning up. And I, again, the logistics, I can't help it. Like That is a really big mess to clean up. And especially since they were using what, like electric saws to um, chop these people into pieces and then wrap them in plastic and... I, I've watched Breaking Bad, okay? I know how I know how this works. <laughs> and wow, cleaning up that mess would be ridiculous. But hey, it was a hell of a scene. It was um, very, very interesting. <laughs> and that leads into the burial scene, which was we talked about a little bit. And Leela Norser, I sent you both the scene earlier from Seven. He was in that movie for about two minutes. He was he was the guy who Kevin Spacey made uh, have sex with the prostitute with the the contraption on his dick that had a spike on it or whatever killed her. He was the lust the lust sin. And in this scene where they have the burial scene and Adam is insistent that they put the body parts together and he's trying to get everybody together and he's yelling. He's like, I have his upper leg and her lower leg and they don't go together. And he, he says that twice. And it just, it's basically like the same note he was playing in seven. And I was just like, okay, yeah, this, this guy's cool, but he, 
realizes like words of shit here. And I, I thought that was a really, he does a lot of, he does a lot of good screaming, but he's also, you know, somebody you can count on, but that doesn't mean he, he likes what's happening here. I really liked him in, in this role. And I like him as a, I think what Brandon, you called him like a super, that guy or something the, along those yeah, lines. The, the anti that guy. It's, <laughs> it's almost like someone, you know, the world has facial uh, blindness when it comes to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, good good scenes that uh, piggyback off one another. Jackie, what's the scene you liked? Oh, I was just um, focused on the burial a little bit more. Sure. Um, I thought it was really clever, um, <laughs> unfortunately here. Um, to get out of the hotel logistically, um, they, they're trying to think of ideas of how to transport the body, bodies out of the hotel. And they're like, well, we can wrap them up in blankets and lower it off the balcony and put it in the car. And I'm th- I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> but then they go to the hardware store and get all their gear. And they also pick up some suitcases, which they store everything in. And they walk right out of the hotel carrying suitcases. It's very resourceful. Who would question that. <laughs> very, very clever writing there. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was funny, um, out at the burial site there, they said, Oh, we're going to go to hell or prison, whichever one comes first. And they're all having their own version of panicking. There's constant yelling. There's, there's so much yelling in this film. It's exhausting. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're, they're worried about being sacrilegious at this point. I don't know why they were suddenly worried about being religious. Maybe those defaults just kicked in and they're trying to say a prayer. And, and he's like, dear God, I don't fucking know how to pray. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you alluded to before, Jackie, you, you mentioned all the drugs they were doing. We're probably starting to wear off at this point. And this is why Adam might have been Daniel Stern's character might have been not cool at the beginning, but better than he was throughout the rest of realize. the realize. Brandon, did you have a scene you liked? Uh, no, that I, I, I love the burial scene. Uh, just yeah, more. I got someone's toes, <laughs> <laughs> um, or even um, you know, trying to reason with Adam why he wants to put the bodies back together because that's the only way the soul will be able to rest in peace. Yep. So um, that brings along the weird conversation of are there Jews in Asia? Yeah, <laughs> all oh, right man. so the drugs are still there i was gonna yeah. say that's got to be the drugs yeah i, I mean um, just just in general yeah but as far as favorite scenes again uh probably one of the next big freakouts. um well that would be At... the, the rehearsal dinner yes oh yeah that was that was well this is where uh this is where adam dies yes yeah um you know just everyone fighting um Kyle's dad trying to do his speech, trying to embarrass his son the whole time. And... Yeah, just wedding stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While there's someone in the parking lot screaming "murderer, murderer." <laughs> um, yeah, they're going at it. Uh, yeah. Piven and Stern are like they were. They were good in this scene. They, yeah, I think Stern was yelling "murderer," Piven's yelling "loser." It just... <laughs> Don't you ever that... touch my minivan again. <laughs> And he, he he kicked it pretty hard, and he fucked him up when he ran when he ran him down. That was like, oh, yeah. I remember seeing this for the first time. I was like, holy shit! Like, and the fact that he lived even for a couple of minutes to <laughs> whisper something to his wife right after, and I don't think we ever found out what he said to her. But yeah, he fucked him up with that car, and I I, I had a lot of questions, like mainly like how he didn't go to jail for at least manslaughter at that point. They just kind of let him go because they were brothers. That didn't really seem to make sense. And yeah, that was a very violent scene, but it was, you know, crucial to the movie. We talked about everything. Like we talked about the stripper's death was probably like the tamest thing in this movie. Everything kind of just slowly spirals out of control even further as we go through that. Um, Good. Oh, I just wanted to point out that Dan Stern has some really convincing panic attacks throughout this movie and particularly in that scene I think he's kind of at his apex there of um, panicking and freaking out and and protecting his his beloved minivan but 
but he's he's convinced that they've they've figured him out. He's like they've got FBI science, they've got fiber op- fiber optics, and they've even got the fucking internet. <laughs> Nineteen ninety eight logic there. Um, he was he was really doing a good job of freaking out. Can I rewind a little bit to a previous scene? I call this scene Wizards. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the, over at the gas well. station. Yeah. <laughs> so Dan Stern is having a little trouble focusing. He's out with his family. He's simply trying to put some gas in his car, but everywhere he turns around, he feels like everybody is watching him. The The other person filling up their car is kind of standing and staring at him suspiciously which if someone stood there and stared at me like that while I was pumping gas that would uh that right. would creep me out a little bit as well to be fair however um his kids are going nuts oh my gosh he has like the worst children in the world <laughs> <laughs> and the the wife is encouraging them and they're all chanting wizards wizards and they want this this fucking candy called wizards and i would lose my mind that would push me over the edge if my kids were acting like that and his wife somehow convinces him to go into the shop despite that he's having these horrible reservations and having an absolute panic and anxiety attack he's trying so hard to keep it together but he loses it in the shop even though he does actually find the wizards. Um, when a cop walks in, he's just stumbling o- all over everything. He just physically cannot handle this. And Dan Stern is great at panicking on yeah. screen. You had mentioned that he was paranoid because people were watching him. And he's probably paranoid because he he's involved in a murder of two people. So Right. <laughs> Rightfully so, so. Sure. And you mentioned yeah. wizards. I, I I had this was I watched this twice for for this podcast and the first time I didn't really think much of wizards and then like when I'm doing my notes like wizards did they say wizards and then I looked and it was actually like they look like twizzlers the even even the packaging and I said could they not get did they have to pick this candy they couldn't get the rights to like twizzlers or just pick another candy that would have been would have more willing to play ball they had to make up that's exactly it this this fake candy I I don't maybe they're not as good as Twizzlers, but yeah, yeah, this this was a good scene. And I have this written down. This is where he's kind of fully melted down at this point. And we see he doesn't get the wizards. His his wife's pissed. They almost get into a car accident on the way in which she, I guess, breaks her nose because the next scene. Oh, that's right. She has a thing on her nose. Mm. And and yeah, I he didn't get arrested, but he knocked he he like destroyed this mini mart. He, He knocked over everything. And the cop and the attendant are like, you just leave. Just leave now. Get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're right, Jackie. You hit it on the head. He was su- – Daniel Stern in this was super good as just just somebody just spiraling out of control. I I, I really enjoyed him in, in this role. Um, another scene that I have written down here was – I have it as the wedding and then Boyd's death. Um this is where we see Boyd. He's just gone full psycho at this point. We, we thought he was he was kind of composed, cool, knew what to do in the beginning. And by the end of the movie, Christian Slater has just completely lost his shit. He's demanding insurance money from Adam because after Adam and his wife die, they leave everything they have. That was, that was a funny scene, too, where <laughs> they're, they're telling Laura and Kyle that they were the beneficiaries of their will, like, he let there's a five hundred thousand dollar life insurance policy, so we get five hundred grand. The guy's not even close, and then he talks about their credit card debt and everything they owe, and it's like okay, and you have the house that's worth five hundred grand, and they're like oh okay, so we're back to five hundred. No, <laughs> <laughs> they wind up having to take care of these kids, and they get about fourteen grand to them, and so we know there's no money, but Christian Slater Boyd is demanding his cut of the insurance money from Kyle. This is where we know he's just lost his mind. And they wind up getting to a fight and Laura just comes out of nowhere, just bludgeons the shit out of him with a coat rack, but he's still alive. It's a really violent scene. We see, she's just beating the shit out of his face and he has the rings. So more has to go back and get the rings. He accidentally, when he opens the door, he knocks Boyd down the flight of stairs and gets the rings. I don't know. 
how they just left him there and nobody noticed. But, you know, you got to have to suspend disbelief. But this was like kind of a really violent scene in the movie. And everybody just kind of gone fully nuts at this point. Brandon, what did you think of the scene? This is one of the scenes where I think it's actually a horror film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's almost like what if you were in the theater and you saw Avengers Infinity War, you saw the snap and it's like, oh, my God, did the, did the bad guy just win? <laughs> and it's Laura. Laura's the bad guy. Yeah, um, I think I had it written down. Uh, she hits Boyd uh, with the uh, the base of the heavy coat hanger or the coat yep. hanger. And afterwards, after the bludgeoning, she's like, this is my day. <laughs> Stick him in the crapper and get your ass upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> so um, nothing was good to deter her from having her perfect day. Um, regardless of not having the padded gold seats. Yeah. I'm guessing her grandmother or aunt, who's probably going to ruin her night, just annoying her with the fact that she didn't get a pad on her seat. Um, <laughs> yeah, a really scary. That was her, I, I don't want to say it was a, a, a character turn, maybe just like her arc coming to its fullest. Yeah, yeah, it's a good way um, to describe it. Yeah, because I... I on any other day, I don't think that's the same character, but on her wedding day, she's like the, she's like the Boyd character. This yeah. day is going to go off without a hitch. And it's all because of me. So, yeah. Just put your head down. We need to get through this. You know, I'm, I'm running to the goal line. I yeah. don't care what, what obstacles are there. Ja- Jackie, what'd you think of the wedding scene? You know, I was, I thought it was interesting that they brought Cameron Diaz back into this. Obviously she's a, big part of the wedding and um, they make it to the wedding but uh sometimes we don't we don't see the that little side character come back for such a strong bold move especially towards the end of the film so i really appreciated that from her and i did somewhat suspect that as a bridezilla nothing was gonna get in this woman's (laughs) way not even a while she doesn't she doesn't really even blink very much when he tells her the truth and he's freaking out. She's like, nope, not <laughs> we're we're just gonna keep on going with this, even in the middle of her ceremony when they're trying to get the rings. Um, yep. she's like, Go make it happen. Don't care. <laughs> Don't care that I'm making this wedding happen, which is wow, what a foundation for a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's just kind of considering it a, a big uh, production and um, you know, big picture. This is wow! What a what a way to start off your life together sure. with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I'm 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 wanting to jump ahead to the um, to the last scene. Yeah, that's what the um, last scene I have is the very end. So yeah, go ahead. Okay, just kind of a downer of an ending. You know, we've got Kyle, Charles, and even the dog are disabled from a car accident (laughs) when um, Kyle was supposed to kill Charles, but he didn't. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad he didn't. Yeah. I'm I'm glad he does have some redeeming morals in this, but um, yeah, because they had to go bury Boyd. And um, I don't know how they got away with that, by the way, logistics again. A lot of, a lot of nitpicks you gotta not not that kind of movie kid right yeah <laughs> um you know and then laura is kind of forced to look after um all of these guys including these horrible children and then it uh, it literally drives her mad and i can see why well <laughs> i have i have an ending. in my notes here I have that she, she's gone full psycho at the end. She's essentially, for lack of a better term, she's broke bad yeah. at this at this point. And she, yeah, she tells she tells Kyle she wants him to kill more. She wants him to kill the dog, and kill you know, <laughs> yeah. she's like, "You want me to kill the dog?" And she's like, "Do you love me?" And then she, <laughs> that's like, like her response that's like to her everything. Response to everything. Do you love me? <laughs> yeah, that's a full blooded sociopath right there. Yeah, like everybody, there's really like no redeeming qualities for any of the characters. No. And yeah, we see more. He's just a full blown paraplegic at the end. Uh, Kyle has no legs, and 
they have Adam's kids and Laura's kind of left to take care of everybody. This movie ends with Cameron Diaz just running into the middle of the street and curling up in the fetal position. And that's just where we end. You know, we don't screaming. Yeah, we don't we don't have a happy ending. You watch this movie. The credits start to roll. You're like, what the fuck did I just watch? (laughs) Brandon, what would you think of the ending? That's why I love it so much. If you can ask yourself, what the fuck did I watch? And still at least go back and in retrospect, find a, a scene that you liked or that you laughed at. In my eyes, that's worth it. I mean, yeah. especially with that, yeah. with that type of ensemble cast, you were going to get something, whether you liked it, whether you hated it, uh, whether you laughed, whether you cowered in fear. Um, they did everything right from directing all the way down. Um, even if it's not the most uh, resound film or highly uh, regarded. Yeah, couldn't couldn't have said that better myself. So on that note, why don't we segue into According to the Internet. So we like to start these usually with our, our casting almost. And I had a big one here, and I'm sure you probably both had this one as well. The role of Michael was originally supposed to be Adam Sandler. And he had yeah, to... Yeah, I found that. He had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts with the water boy. Um, I really like Jeremy Piven and I'm a big entourage guy. I, I enjoy pretty much everything I've, I've seen him in. Uh, really. It's really weird seeing him with a receding hairline. And then he has like a full head of hair by the time entourage starts. And he's got like really, really envy. I'm envious of his hair in entourage, but he's kind of has my hairline in, in this movie. I like Jeremy Piven in this role. Um, I think having Adam Sandler, might have made this movie a little more you know this was a box office bomb 30 million dollar budget made nine million i think adam sandler's in this movie probably makes more money than it ultimately did and maybe this is a movie more people are talking about but i'm fine with jeremy piven as a fan of his but i don't uh jackie any thoughts on sandler would you is that an up i think that's an upgrade mostly but what are your thoughts on that yeah, I'm on. I'm on the same page, Dave. Um, Adam Sandler could have been great in this role, and probably, like you're saying, added a little bit of star power behind this. Um, I wonder if he would have brought a little bit of a a lighterness or a almost a comedic yeahness to this, and added to that comedic quote unquote aspect of this film. Um, He's he's another guy who's like always screaming yeah. the, uh, and freaking out. So <laughs> I think he would have fit right in pretty naturally. But again, uh, like you were saying, Jer- Jeremy Piven is is a fun watch. Um, throwback to Smoke and Aces yeah, as yeah. well. Um, he, he's a fun watch. He's fine in the role. No conflicts with Jeremy. I think of the scene in Punch Drug Love with Sandler and Philip Seymour Hoffman screaming at each other. And I kind of juxtapose that with the scene, Jeremy Piven and Daniel Stern screaming at each other before he runs them over. And I, I think Sandler would have held it down, but Piven did well. As Piven was good in this. Uh, yeah. Brandon, any thoughts on that upgrade, downgrade? See, like you, use that, you use that as um, a juxtaposition scene. I see um, the Adam's burial when uh, Jeremy Piven just... Uh, after jumping on uh, Daniel Stern's widow's lap saying, I'm going to get you that minivan. I'm going to get you that minivan. <laughs> he starts falling backwards onto the roses in the casket, <laughs> starts screaming and you're seeing this overhead. And, you know, I could see that as an Adam Sandler scene where you're shooting him from above, screaming in the air. Like, you know, he missed a shot in happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good. That's good. I like that. Uh, Jackie, do you have anything from the internet? Yes. Um, so there is this Harvard law professor who said that the scenarios in this film could have been obviously plausible, but they could have been nearly excusable. Here's how it breaks down. Um, so the initial murder of the hooker could have been considered an accidental death or involuntary manslaughter. Um, so that's kind of interesting um, because their only solution in their opinion, in their minds was murder. Um, and, but they, but the professor said that it, if 
they had they had that many drugs at the scene it would have complicated things and resulted in charges as well as um, killing the security guard would be first degree murder for um, stabbing the guard intentionally yeah. so many times. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, there's there's my um, you know logistics standpoint. I just sure. kind of found that interesting. I'm like, what would have happened otherwise, or what what would have been a, a possible consequence for this instead of resorting to murder? Yeah, and that this was actually it was Alan Dershowitz yeah. who. Uh, was on the who was on the defense team for the OJ trial, oh. and he this was part of a, a column he wrote for a Premier magazine where he took. I have to kind of I read this and now I kind of want to go back and look at some of these, other, the other ones he did, where he takes movie scenarios and says, "Would these people have got away with it in real life?" And yeah, you just covered everything he said for this movie. So I want to see. I want to go look back, see some of his his other columns there kinda with, with other about movies. That. Yeah, definitely. That, that was a that was a cool little tidbit. Yeah, the the drug use is what complicated them getting away with, like an accidental death or involuntary manslaughter. A lot of a lot of great choices here. <laughs> yeah, it was just funny how at the end it was like, well, they did kill the security guard in cold blood after, so that that complicates things a little. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> Tad, uh, Brand, did you did you have anything from the internet? Um, only um, a small little uh, different connection between Peter Burke, the director, and Jeremy Piven. It was sure. actually uh, Peter Berg's college roommate um, that Ari is uh, inspired by for Montrage. And really? it just so happens that Jeremy Piven played Ari. Okay. Cool. No, I, did, I didn't, I did not know that. That's, that's, that's cool. Um, another tidbit I had here, uh, Gene Triplehorn, who plays uh, Adam's wife and Leland Orser. They're married today. They have a child and they met on filming this movie so they are oh that's cool yeah they're a couple and that they met here so that's that's cool i think there's another movie we did where that happened the parents and ferris bueller were married for a long time and they met on the the set of that movie so that was that was cool uh nice to nice to read positive something positive came out of this movie even if it was a very dark film (laughs) so i got i got one more do either of you have anything um, I just ran across a random thing. You know how they were watching a UFC fight? Yes. On the at the bachelor party, yep. uh, they actually traced it back to a. It, it could be assigned to a legit a legitimate date, um, to July twelfth, nineteen ninety six. Um, there was a fight between Don Fry versus Brian Johnston. I okay. guess. And because uh, that's who was on screen. And yeah. I just thought that was kind of funny that there was an actual event that this could have been logically aligned with. And it's funny not to piggy, not to keep going back to Ferris Bueller, but to think um, we talked about that, the baseball game in Ferris Bueller, there were like baseball purists who like did like a lot of digging and they were like, this baseball game did not happen at this time. The, the Cubs game that was in. So it was good that Peter Berg was like that detail oriented when doing this, that this fight actually happened at this time. So it, it, the, the timelines match up here. So that was pretty cool. Um, the last one I have here was there was a 1997 film that I had never heard of called Stag um, starring Kevin Dillon and Andrew McCarthy. That was by pure coincidence based on a group of friends who kill, accidentally kill a stripper at a bachelor party. Peter Berg did not know about this. It was purely a coincidence, but <laughs> in order to not get sued for plagiarism, even though it was just a coincidence. He did change the profession of some of the characters and he did change some details with the, with the script in order to, in order to not be sued by the filmmakers of this other movie that I did not know existed until this afternoon when I was looking these, these things up. I stag Kevin Dillon, another entourage guy there. Um, Yeah. So this was 97 a year before and I've never heard of this. So it, I guess it ultimately didn't matter because I don't know anybody who's seen this movie. I, either of you have heard of the movie no. stag? No. Or big, no okay. Yeah. yeah so that, that was, a, that was an L there for whoever was involved in that movie, but maybe one day I'll, I'll check it out. Cause I, I do like uh, Kevin Dillon, but I want to know my, why, uh, 
why is this like a, a common movie theme? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hope there's not like a lot of based on a true story that this, this really happened. A bunch of writers got divorced that year and they decided <laughs> to take it, take it out on the cinema. It's <laughs> a right, so good internet stuff there. Um, trivia. Jackie, would you like to go first or would you like me to? Yeah, sure. I'll go. Hit it. Okay. The F word is used about 124 times in this movie. According to the internet, there is a list counting the F-bombs across films on the internet. Which of the following films on said list dropped the word fuck the most? Okay, here's your choices. All right. Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, or The Big Lebowski. Wow. And, that, and those are just a handful from the middle of the list. Those aren't okay. the top. Out of those of three? Mm-hmm. All right. Brandon, what do you think? Oh, wow. Um, I think just because it was a big deal when The Big Lebowski first came out that it, it did use the word fuck a lot. And I believe the article said it was more time than any movie uh, up until that point. Um, and I could definitely see that uh, just from the scenes I remember. I, I'm going to go with The Big Lebowski. Okay. okay. Just How to keep it interesting. Gave? I think you might be right, Brandon. But just to keep it interesting, I'll go, I'll go with Pulp Fiction. Okay. I'm sorry. You are both incorrect. What the Fuck, fuck. <laughs> uh, F word. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs dropped the most F words. Um, they had 269. Holy shit. And Pulp Fiction was next at 265. And The Big Lebowski had 260 fucks in it. Wow. So, <laughs> it was close. They were all really close. Yeah. So. No slouches. Any, guesses any of them. there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right cool so by i have a cameron diaz themed question here we talked about how this movie when this movie came out it was right after there's something about mary so her star was very much on the rise and she went on to work with a lot of prominent directors so i'm gonna this is a director themed question um she has worked with all of these directors except one of them so who is the director from this list that she has not worked with was it ridley scott Oliver Stone, Martin Scorsese, Michael Bay, or Steven Spielberg? Brandon, you can take first jab at this one. And, and this was the one she's only worked with once or not worked at all? No movies at all. Oh, gosh. All right. So, really, Spielberg. Um, oh, wow. Um, I'm going to try Spielberg. You're going to go with Spielberg. Okay. Jackie? Spielberg is my guess as well. You're going to go with Spielberg. She was, she had a bit in Minority Report. Oh. So, it was, it was, so it was not Spielberg. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Wait. A second guess. All right. You're guess. <laughs> all out. Um, Michael Bay? Okay. Brad, no, no, it's only fair. I'll give you a second guess as well. We know it's not Spielberg. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to defer it over to Jackie. Okay, yeah, you both got it that time. She's never been in a, in a Michael Bay film. So okay. good, good, uh, good silver medal there. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks. <laughs> um, just for the listeners, she was in The Counselor, directed by Ridley Scott. She was also in Any Given Sunday, directed by Oliver Stone. And she was in Gangs of New York, directed by Scorsese. So those are her, uh, her acting chops there. All right. Uh, Brandon, what's something good you watched this week? Um, well... As we were talking about earlier, I've been just sort of honing in on a block of shows. So about four or five shows I've been watching. Uh, I've been keeping up with uh, Shining Girls on Apple TV, uh, Under the Banner of Heaven with Andrew Garfield on Hulu. Yes. Love it. Uh, I am loving that one. Um, Barry, of course. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Half hour episodes. Uh, God, they just keep getting crazier every week. Yeah. Yeah. This is a wild uh, season. Yeah, it is. Um, and I did catch uh, part one of the George Carlin documentary on HBO. Plan on watching the second part either tonight or tomorrow. Okay, that's on the list. I need to get to that. Yeah, but um, you know, if you heard the last episode I was in, uh, I am a lover of true crime, and the last thing that I finished this week was on Apple, 
I think it was Apple TV, uh, The Big Con. Okay. Yeah, uh, I believe it's a four-part uh, true crime series. Uh, it was a uh, social security lawyer in eastern Kentucky uh, who collaborated with a judge there and frauded uh, social security and the taxpayers of over half a billion dollars. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, uh, the director of McMillions, uh, another uh, true crime doc. I watched that one. That was good. Yeah, same director. Okay. All right, so I'll have to, I'll, yeah, because I like McMillions. That was pretty crazy. Because I remember, like, when I was a little kid, going to McDonald's with my grandfather and, like, asking for, like, those Monopoly things. Yes. And I, I didn't know I was contributing to uh, a scam as, as, a, as an eight-year-old. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, that was, that was a wild doc. So I'll have to, good rack. You, you always re- recommend good documentaries. So that was, that was Yeah, I got to check that out. I'm really yeah. curious now. Jackie, what's something good you watch this week? Well, I was also um, watching Under the Banner of Heaven, and I think I've been talking about that for a few weeks it's, now it's because it's, it is such there. a good show. Yeah. And I still stand by it, but I'll talk about something new this week. Um, we, something possessed me to watch The Lost City starring uh, Sandra Bullock, Channing okay. Tatum, and it also had Daniel Radcliffe in there. Um, and you know, it was exactly what you would expect from a romantic comedy. (laughs) So, um, very low bar. It was cute. It was entertaining. Fine. Um, I really loved seeing Daniel Radcliffe in this obscure role. He seems to just like pick the most random roles and show up in whatever. And it's really funny seeing, um, the kid who played Harry Potter in um, a serious adult role. So <laughs> that was fun. And he's kind of creepy too in this. Um, but ultimately, just watch the trailer. You'll be fine. No, I, 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 You'll it, get the I, it's on Paramount Plus. Yes. Yes. Or, yes, okay. it is. All right. Somehow I just, I, it was in the theaters and I just, I couldn't find the time to sync up to get to a theater to see it. So now maybe I'll, I'll catch it on streaming. But I've heard nothing but good things. It did well at the box office. All things considered, because most of these movies don't do very well anymore. It's just kind of like the superhero films that get a big draw. But this this made its return back. It, it did well. It had people that saw it. And I I don't think I'm, I'm yet to hear a bad thing about this movie. So it was oh. good. A lot of people liked it. And Brad Pitt was in it, too. Yes. Briefly. OK, bri- yes. okay briefly. Yes. Yeah, it was it was fun. Some fun faces there. I, I mean, it's it's fun. Don't pay money to see it. So. <laughs> I have Paramount Plus, so I will. Uh, yeah, I'll that go. works out. I'll that go that works route. Out. <laughs> and then, like we were saying earlier uh, before the show, I'm really gearing up for that fourth season of Stranger Things. I'm uh, hoping to watch a, or rewatch a little bit of um, season three uh, to get to prepare for the fourth season. I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe I'll go watch that after this. All right, cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that as well. I think it comes out Thursday or Friday. New season. A lot, a lot of coming out this week. Obi-Wan yes, drops yes. Friday. Stranger Things. It's yeah, it, it's a lot. We've, we've talked about this both, I think, on and offline. Just a lot of content. There's no uh, there's no shortage of things in the pipeline. For sure. So I, I think I've I've cited this as currently the best show on TV at the moment for me. Uh, you know, it's, it's all subjective, but uh, we own this city, which is on HBO. This is from David Simon, the creator of The Wire, and this is basically just like the cousin of The Wire. It's you know we get the it's another it's another Baltimore police show where we see drug dealers, we see police, we see politicians. It's just you see all the the nuances of the system and how the system fails so many people, and you know that could be you know trying to sell it to a, a casual TV viewer. They're like, oh, yeah, maybe. But juxtapose that with this fucking awesome performance by John Bernthal, who's just bringing it as Wayne Jenkins, this scumbag, dirty cop, corrupt as shit, and just charismatic as hell. I, I love him. He's, you know, people might know him as the Punisher. He's just been in so many things. He could be in your Scorsese movie. He was great in The Wolf of Wall Street. And Walking Dead, he was in season one of that. Just phenomenal actor, and any anything he's in, I'm in for. He's definitely gonna. There's definitely gonna be Emmy buzz for him playing this role of of Wayne Jenkins. This just 
I feel weird rooting for this guy because he's such a dirtbag in this show. But John Bernthal is just such a phenomenal actor. Brandon, I know you're a wire guy. Were you on this or is this on your radar? Uh, oh, it's definitely on my radar. It's just one of those shows where I, I was hoping to get all of this uh, episodes to drop at, you know, get them all at once. Because okay. I think as soon as I watch one or two episodes, I'm just going to want to watch the whole season. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Now, is it, does it seem like a limited uh, it series? It is. Oh, so six. No, six, no second season? Or? Nope. Six episodes. We're good. Five have aired already. The, the finale is on Monday. Okay. So that, that's it. He's oh. going to tell a story real quick and then we're going to, we're going to move on probably, you know, we'll get something else like this probably sooner because, you know, David Simon from Baltimore. Yeah. So he knows this, you know, so he's talking about what he knows and this is uh, he was, I believe he's a journalist in Baltimore. So everything that he's putting in this show is something he's seen. It's based off of something that's really happened. So that's what makes, that was makes the wire one of the best shows of all time. And this is just a, a great limited series that's uh, definitely going to – we talked about offline how all these shows are dropping before the Emmy window. And this is – you're going to see this heavy, just like Under the Banner of Heaven. These are a lot of shows that we're going to see uh, come award season. We're going to be hearing about a lot again. Definitely. Another show oh, – I'm sorry, Jackie, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say um, I'm a big S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. Did you watch oh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, fuck Dave? yeah. All right. I did not yeah, know this. Yeah, yeah. Is that is is that similar? Yeah, to this there's some show Vic too? Mackey. There's some Vic Mackey in in Wayne okay. Jenkins. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, cool. We gotta we gotta talk more about the Shield. I fucking oh, love that show. Yes, I, yes, this show's amazing. I believe. I watch it. I don't think I know ten people who watch the Shield. So what? I, I, what? I'm definitely one. What? Okay, so we're so we got two more. So I'm adding. Okay, yeah, yeah. Dirk, watch it too. <laughs> okay. Right. You can stream the whole series on Hulu. Do it. All right. It, yeah. It's. <laughs> Fuck it. I was I was definitely behind the shield. When did it start? Like oh one? I was that was like a show I was from episode one. I was watching live. And I think yes. it went from like oh one to oh eight. Something might be off a little bit, but it yeah, it was like a seven year run. Wow. It just, yeah, it was like Walton Goggins, you know, you yes. see him in the Righteous Gemstones and all these other shows. But I was for, for me, he's Shane Vendrell always, even though he's like in the, all these comedic roles now. But I was like, that's Shane. And it just shows yes. that guy's range. Yes. I yeah. know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad we got to brought up, bring up the shield. Such phenomenal <laughs> good, show. Good. I'm I'm glad you mentioned this show because I was considering watching it. If you like the shield, Jackie, but... I would. This is six episodes, so it's not like a you know, you're not. It's I can not a commitment. That. Yeah, this is good. You'll you'll definitely see Vic in in John Bernthal's character here. Okay. There's a lo- okay. lot of that here, and another show that I'm I'm enjoying that I don't think I've heard anyone talk about because it's good. But I, I give it a I give it a soft recommendation. Gaslit, which is on Stars. Oh, I was really curious about that. Okay, I want to hear so what you have something, to say. This is you know we talk about all these limited series. This is something that 15 years ago would have just been a two and a half hour movie, but now mm-hmm. it's it's a 10 episode limited series on Netflix or on Stars rather, and it's with Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. It it's about the Watergate scandal. Um, Julia Roberts is playing Martha Mitchell, the wife of. Uh, Attorney General John Mitchell in the Nixon administration, and it kind of goes through all of the character. It's, it gives a different side of Watergate. You know, all the President's Men, all these other movies we've seen. There's, there's not a shortage of Watergate footage, documentaries, movies. So I, it was kind of surprising that I even turned this on to begin with. But let me check this out, and it, it's pretty good. Um, Shay Wingham is in this he plays g gordon liddy who is kind of one of the architects of the watergate burglary and he's just real he's a that guy i don't know if he's a household name you could say shay wingham look him up he boardwalk empire just he's on almost any hbo show yeah pretty much yeah perry mason he was in that just yeah basically i think shay wingham just hangs out in the hbo parking lot just like do you need me do you need me to come in for anything um but yeah, I, to me, you got Julia Roberts and Sean Penn, but Shea Wiggum is bringing it as Liddy in this, who was notoriously just a weird guy. And he's he's uh, capturing this role pretty well. And I, I like him. I like the show. I've seen the first three, and this is 10 episodes as well. Like I said, you know, this is something could have been a movie, would have been a movie 15, 20 years ago. But now it's a it's a 10 episode limited series. Um, any either of you on this one or it was on your radar heard of it? I have I haven't even heard of it until now, so I'm actually happy. I'm 
Okay. So I ran given... across it, but I didn't realize it was a Watergate thing. And yeah. I think it's really interesting that Watergate keeps coming up for for different topics and entertainment and it's just still kind of mysterious to people. So it's that's interesting like the, to get this fresh take on it. It's kind of like the politics version of the Halloween franchise. Like we're always, we're throughout our lives, we're always <laughs> going to be getting new, new, new installments of, of this, uh, this material. I like, um, I like that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So good Rex all around. Uh, Brandon, where's some place people can follow you at? Oh, anyone wants to talk true crime or any obscure movies, I'm always on the Facebook movie and uh, television Facebook group. Yeah, yeah, always great to talk to on there. All right, so good. Jackie? You can find me on Instagram at JackieLynn99.5. Excellent. And you can find me at DDEM2000. That is my handle on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And if you, oh, we also have an Instagram for this show. It's at Was It That Bad Pod. We do two shows, this and Dollar Theater. Both shows are on that account. Um, and if you want to talk about this movie or any other movie or show with myself, Jackie or Brandon or many other great people, as Brandon alluded to, you can join the Movie and Television Talk Facebook group. Just type that into a group search. And we are the red cover photo Jackie, we got a fun two weeks coming up. What's going on? Yes, definitely. Next week on Dollar Theater, we're watching Wayne's World. And the week after, for Was It That Bad, we're watching Idle Hands. Nice. I'm excited for both of those. Brandon, any thoughts on either of those? I remember when Idle Hands first came out. Um, <laughs> I think it was the first time I ever saw Jessica Elba. And I be- yeah, I believe it was the first time we all instantly did. fell in love. So. As did many, we're about the same age. So as mm-hmm. as many uh, as many teenagers did around the late nineties. Yeah. <laughs> she... Yeah. Don't ask me what the plot of that movie was. I think it had something <laughs> to do with the hand. So. Totally, totally fair. <laughs> I haven't uh, seen it, so. Oh, uh, so good. Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. It, you'll enjoy it. I think it was it was a fun movie. It's kind of a little batshit, like the one we covered tonight. I was going to say, as... I feel like I'm going to get a very bad things vibe. From this yeah yeah not as not as bad but there is there are some fun fun uh kills in that movie so it'll be it'll be a fun one to talk about as well wayne's world awesome well brandon thanks so much for joining us tonight it was great to talk to you again oh likewise thanks again for having me absolutely and jackie pleasure as always thanks dave you too you got it and thank you everybody for listening we will catch you all next week night everybody <laughs>